President Joe Biden was confronted yesterday by Fox News reporter Peter Ducey about the growing headache that these classified documents are becoming for the Biden administration. Oh, but David, you'll never talk about this, say so many of you that email me. I've talked about it all along. Oh, but David, you'll say that it shouldn't even be investigated. No, as I've said all along, investigate everything, investigate everything and come to whatever conclusions the facts point to. The latest news from the Associated Press, Biden team finds more documents with classified markings. President Joe Biden's legal team has discovered additional documents containing classification markings in a second location. This comes a day a days after an attorney for Biden's uh, for president said Biden's lawyers had discovered a small number of documents. Um, The person who spoke to the AP Wednesday said the president's legal team found additional material, classified material at a second location. They are talking about a garage. Peter Ducey confronts Joe Biden yesterday about this. And here is how that conversation went. Classified material next to your Corvette. What are you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents uh, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my in my, my my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Pen. This was done in the case of the Biden Pen Center. The Department of Justice was immediately as was done. Yeah. The Department of Justice was immediately. Okay. So I uh, the, the the reading of this statement is not going particularly well for Joe Biden. Um, Jason Kander had a very good tweet about the contrast between the Biden and the Trump classified document situation. Now, those of you who really know me know that I could not care less about whether there's a D or an R next to Joe Biden or Trump's name when it comes to how these situations should be handled. Investigate all of them. And I think what will become very clear as a piece of my microphone just exploded uh, is that the circumstances are, of course, so dramatically different. And Jason Kander's tweet was, quote, classified documents, a shopping analogy. As Biden walked out, the buzzer went off and he realized he mistakenly failed to pay for an item in his cart. He went back in and returned it. Trump stuffed items in his pockets. When the buzzer sounded, he ran to his car and peeled out. I have said it all week and I will say it again. Investigate everyone. This doesn't exonerate Donald Trump any more than an accused murderer would be exonerated because of someone else accused of murder somewhere else in a completely unrelated case. These are two completely separate things. The facts are different. The reaction was different. The circumstances are different. And it's so evident that everything about 
these two situations is so, so different. So Fox is getting a lot of mileage from this. Donald Trump, I'm sure, is thrilled about the fact that this is going on. But these are two very different situations. They should both be investigated and let's let the cards fall where they may. See how I'm not saying, oh, but let the cards fall where they may. And Peter Ducey is going to get his licks. There's no doubt about it. Um, But uh, it does not do a damn thing to exonerate Donald Trump. The moral compass of the Republican Party could not possibly be better illuminated than by Matt Gates interviewing George Santos slash Anthony DeVolder slash Anthony Santos slash George DeVolder, whatever name you know him by. I'm talking about the liar who was elected to Congress. He appeared on, I guess, Matt Gates's show. I didn't even know Matt Gates had a show, but I guess he does on Real America's Voice. And the interview is like nothing I have ever seen. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. The pressure is building on George Anthony Santos DeVolder to resign. I don't know that this interview is going to save him, but you have to see this. Here is George Santos saying he has lived an honest life. I've worked my entire life. I've lived an honest life. I've never been uh, accused, sued of of any bad doing. So that's untrue. He is actually um, been accused of crimes in Brazil already, and there are multiple criminal investigations. But okay, that that's a lie. Oh, you know, it's, he's lying about not lying right now before your very eyes. It's my, it's the equity of my hard working self, and I, I invested inside of me. Like I said, didn't come from. He invested inside of himself, deep, deep inside of himself, and he found that he is an honest man. Charisma. It didn't come from Ukraine, Russia, China, uh, unlike some folks that we all know that get money from those sources. Yeah. Um, okay. So then Matt Gates asks him, where did your campaign funding come from? And he again repeats this cute little line. Uh, one of the principal critiques I've heard is that a lot of money uh, was donated to your campaign by you. Seven hundred thousand, I believe. Where did it come from? Well, I'll tell you where it didn't come from. It didn't come from China, Ukraine or Burisma. How about that? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that that is an answer. That is not actually an answer. We finally figured out the funding actually came from uh, what was that country Trump made up? Nambia. Um, it's not an answer. And he is being dis- this interview is to prove how honest he is and he can't stop lying or or obscuring the truth during this actual interview. Here is another moment during which Gates says, listen, sure, you embellished your resume, but everybody in Congress has embellished their resumes. We'd have no one in Congress if embellishing your resume got you kicked out. You have admitted embellishing your resume. You've acknowledged it. You've apologized for it. Uh, Some have said that you shouldn't be seated on committees for it. I would offer that if we didn't seat people on committees who embellish their resume running for Congress, we probably wouldn't be able to make a quorum in any of those (laughs) committees. Uh, Other people embellish, so everything's fine. Do you do you uh, now have a sense of 
the, the committees you want to serve on, the type of work you want to do? I came to D.C. without really any preconceived notions of what committees to serve. But yeah, he came to D.C. without any preconceived notion about what the hell the job entails. Whether what I can give to the American people, whatever committee I'm given, whether it's, I don't know, science and technology or education and labor or whatever committee is thrown my way, I will deliver 110 percent because that's what I know how to do. I'm going to outwork oh any God. of the pundits and talking heads. Pundits. The, the word is pundits. Pundits. Come on, dude. That are out there saying that I should resign, that I'm unfit for office. The reality is, and the, and, and the, 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 the case in point here being is, I'm a workhorse. I've worked my whole life. I'm the kid who came from a basement department. You weren't supposed to win this seat. I was not supposed to win this seat. I mean, yeah. So Matt Gates, I, I don't know how Matt Gates ended up doing this rehabilitation attempt of George Santos, Anthony DeVolder. And um, on the issue of resignation, here is what Santos had to say. I wish well all of their opinions, but I was elected by 142,000 people until those same 142,000 people tell me they don't want me. Uh, we'll find out in two years. What do those 142,000 people deserve in a representative? They deserve somebody who's going to come here and fight and not get involved with the media nonsense that we're seeing take place, right? Nonsense. Now, here's the problem. The 142,000 people voted for a person that doesn't exist. And what I mean by that is they voted for a fictional character who was a volleyball star at Baruch College, who worked in high finance, who had degrees that he doesn't really have, who's Jewish in a and, and the reason it's relevant is it's a it's a district with a significant Jewish population. And he told stories about his Judaism. Uh, it They voted for someone that doesn't exist. And so to say, well, they now don't get a say until two years from now because they already voted for him. They, they voted for someone who is not the person actually representing them. So Gates is now sucked into it. We don't know what exactly is behind Gates doing this interview. But what is stunning is that these are softball interviews. These are meant to be interviews so easy that they make him look prepared and honest and qualified and forthcoming and all these things. He obviously and brazenly continues to lie in interviews designed to be easy for him to at least pretend to be an honest person. Let's hope that he's gone by Monday, although anything could happen. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. We are pushing for two million YouTube subscribers this year. It is early on in the year. And uh, youtube.com slash the David Pakman show is the place to hit that subscribe button. Doesn't change anything, doesn't cost anything. You're just saying, I like what you're doing. YouTube, recommend this stuff to more people. That's essentially what you're saying. I'll give you an update on uh, the progress towards 2 million probably late next week. You know, I have a very acute newfound appreciation for how busy being a new parent makes you. If you have a little one at home like me, here's something really easy you can do to simplify your life. Our sponsor, Little Spoon, is your one stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, or big kid delivered right to your door. Little Spoon delivers fresh, organic baby food, which comes in single ingredient varieties or multi textured purees. Little Spoon is meals for toddlers and big kids. They're free of junk and taste great. 
Even the pickiest eaters love them. I've even tried many of them myself. They really are great. Having healthy snack time is so easy with Little Spoon's organic smoothies, which come in convenient pouches in great flavors like strawberry banana shake, purple carrot acai. I love purple carrots. I'm going to admit that my girlfriend and I have had a great experience with our Little Spoon subscription. It just makes life easier. Anything to reduce the chaos is a great thing. Little Spoon is giving my audience 50% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com and use code PACMAN50 OFF, all one word. That's littlespoon.com. Get 50% off at checkout using code PACMAN50 OFF. That's PACMAN50 OFF, all one word. You can find the info in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, Viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Helix Sleep. I have been sleeping on a Helix mattress at home for years now. I couldn't be more happy with it. I recommend it to everybody. The other day, even though she's not allowed in the big bed, I put my baby daughter on the mattress and even she loved it. Helix Sleep is the premium mattress brand offering tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. Take the Helix Sleep quiz. It asks you about your body type, your sleeping position. Do you get hot at night? Do you have back pain? And then Helix will match you with the mattress that's perfect for you. Most people don't know where to begin when shopping for a mattress, including me. Helix makes it simple and less risky because you know you're getting a mattress that fits your needs. It ships free. You can try it for 100 nights to see if you like it. And it comes with a 10 or 15 year warranty. Unlike many mattress companies, all Helix mattresses are made in the USA by a skilled production team. So you are supporting good jobs. Helix Sleep is giving my audience $350 off plus two free pillows. This is the place to get pillows. You know what I mean? Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman and use code Helix partner. The link is down below. The David Pakman show is, of course, funded by our viewers and listeners through the membership program. If you think maybe this is a thing that we want to see continue, you can sign up at joinpacman.com. We'll give you instant access to the world famous bonus show every day for our members. You'll also get commercial free audio and video feeds of the show every weekday made available hours before the show is published to everybody else. 
all really great things. And it's cheap, folks. It's very cheap. You can go to joinpacman.com, use the code. Please no more Trump. Please no more Trump. Say it in your head that way when you type it in and uh, you'll get a discount and it'll be a beautiful thing. All right. Let's hear from people in the audience. My favorite people. We take calls on the Friday show via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Once you're there, you go to the waiting lobby and you raise your hand. You click raise hand. That way I know you want to talk to me. And it's a very, very exciting thing. Let's go first. This is just first. This isn't this isn't the be all end all. We're going to go first to Ty in Iowa and see what is on Ty's mind. Ty, welcome to the program. Uh, what's going on? What's on your mind today? Hey, David. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well. Oh, I'm, uh, OK, that's good. All right. Um, so I just wanted to ask. So you know how there was the the riots in uh, Brazil recently, right? Of course. Yeah. So how 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 much do you think those were probably inspired by January 6th? You think? Well, I think it, it was it's not only the model from January 6th, but Bannon and Jason Miller and others affiliated with Trump were advising Jair Bolsonaro in November about, quote, next steps. It's like next steps, dude, you lost. So it's quite literally the same model. The QAnon people seem to have potentially been involved, at least online, in fomenting what went on. It's quite literally a copycat thing, and this was exactly the concern. Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, I don't feel like there's going to be a whole like hearing or something like that, though. I can't really see that happening because I think like he seems like he's been a lot more silent than Trump has, you know. Yeah, well, he ended up in the hospital. He was he was in uh, Bolsonaro was in Florida at the time and he went to a KFC. He went to a Publix and then he ended up in the hospital with abdominal pain. I mean, it's a dramatically different situation. Also, they did start arresting a bunch of people pretty damn quickly down in Brazil. Doesn't mean that it was perfectly handled, but it doesn't seem as though it's all going to go the same way. Yeah, you know, what's what's crazy is like there were actually even more people or something. I think the capital at January 6th was like 3000 and like at Brazil was like 4000. But like the area was vacant, Hmm. so it was a lot less violent. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but that that is interesting. I will I will look into that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Ty. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I mean, you, thank you too. That's my dog barking. All right, you might want to hang. <laughs> All right, say All right. hi to your dog yeah. for me. There is Ty from Iowa with some very, very powerful declarations. Let's go next to Jack from Connecticut. Jack, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Good afternoon, David. Thank you for having me. My I pleasure. Enjoy watching your content, and it is very informative. Thank you. Um, despite the fact that Donald Trump was in my opinion, one of the worst presidents uh, in American history. He uh, was able to open the American people's eyes on the importance, but also complicated process of American democracy. And I just want your opinion. What do you think will be the worst case, the best or worst case scenario uh, in the upcoming 2024 presidential election? Well, the, the worst case is that Trump or someone even worse becomes president. And, and we again have a complete flouting of norms and, and, and in many cases, the law. The best case is that, you know, a better candidate, whether it's Joe Biden or whoever wins and, and, and continues putting 
the country on a slightly better path than it was headed under Trump. But I don't know that I agree. You know, when when you said, Jack, Trump opened the eyes of Americans to the complexities of, of our democratic process, that's like putting a really favorable spin on Trump basically normalized authoritarianism among a large swath of American voters. I don't know that it's really opening the eyes. I think it's I think that's too positive a spin to put on what Trump did. Of course, absolutely. I I absolutely hate what he did on January 6th. I was just saying that from my perspective, because yeah. um, I'm a big fan on U.S. history. I was exempt from the U.S. history final in high school. There's a lot of things that <laughs> I did not know about in the process because okay. it wasn't really televised as much. Uh, the media wasn't paying. Oh, much Jack, paying you're, much you're, you're saying you're it. saying quite literally like you just learned about the process for like certifying the electoral votes like in the nitty gritty. You're saying you didn't know about that. You learned about that. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 And also the fact that um, people are paying much more attention to that now as people as people have not much has done in uh, previous elections. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. I think I thought you were saying something different. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the worst case scenario for 24 is very bad. So let's work to prevent it from becoming reality. One hundred percent. Yep. All right, my friend, thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. All right. We are taking calls right now. If you'd like to speak to me, you can use the raise your hand function, which is a very, very powerful and and important function, I would say. Why don't we speak next to Ryan from New Hampshire? Ryan, welcome to The David Pakman Show. What's on your mind today? Hang on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Um, I just had a quick question. I know you talked about uh, the vaccine in one of your recent shows, but um, my dad had said something um, about like healthy people who were athletes dying. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering how I could like combat that. Well, what's the claim that he's making? He's he's saying athletes have died. What what does he believe they died of? Uh, he, sorry, he said um, just like cardiac arrest or myocarditis, I think. OK, which athletes died of myocarditis? He, that all he said was just 16,000. Sorry, what? He just said see, he read a report that there was like 24 before COVID a year and now there's like 16,000 a year. 16,000 athletes are dying of myocarditis, your dad believes? <laughs> That's what he's been told. Yeah, there's no I mean, there's just no evidence of that. You know that we did a story about this very, very specifically. You've got to understand the base rate. Okay, 21 million people aged uh, 18 to 24 received two doses of the vaccine. Twenty one million people just based on general death rates. You would expect in a year 70,000 of those people to die. And that includes Mm -hmm. car accidents, that, that includes everything. Even if even if you said, oh, uh, uh, there are 10 of these died suddenly things or 20 or whatever, you know, it does Mm. not tell us anything about the vaccine. And it does not even compare mathematically to the number of those people you would expect to die. Now, in terms of cardiac arrest, you know, DeMar Hamlin didn't die. So even from cardiac Mm. arrest, I don't even know if DeMar Hamlin was vaccinated. I don't even know that it's been said. I mean, there's just the, Mm. the problem with this is 
these people really don't want to listen. You know, your dad apparently read somewhere 16,000 people died of myocarditis. There's no evidence of that. It just seems like he wants to, to live in that world. And it's sad. Yep. Well, thank you, David. I love listening to your show. All right, Ryan. Uh, good, good luck with your dad. That sounds like a very complicated situation. Uh, remember, if you would like to get on with me, your nickname in the waiting lobby should be your name and where you're calling from or where you're calling from and your name. Those are the two important components. Let's go to our friend Johnny from Boston. Johnny from Boston, what's on your mind today? Hi, David. Happy New Year. Likewise. Um, thanks. Um, I have two questions for you. Well, they can be all summarized in one. Please. Uh, two candid- candidates running for 2024 in the Senate. Uh, Katie Porter in California and Lucas Kuntz in Missouri, Mm. your opinions on them as potential candidates. Don't know a thing about the Missouri race, to be perfectly frank. I'll have to inform myself about that. We talked about the Katie Porter situation earlier this week on the award winning bonus show. And um, I think Katie Porter is fantastic. The one interesting thing is she's running for Dianne Feinstein's seat. Diane Feinstein has not actually said she's retiring in 2024. A lot of signs point to she should and maybe she will. Um, she would be close to 95 at the end of the next term if she were to win. There are concerns about cognitive decline, her not realizing that she's meeting people for like the 10th time that she's met many times, asking the same questions over and over again during hearings. So there's a lot of a lot of push for Diane Feinstein to retire. Putting aside the Feinstein component, I think Katie Porter is super smart. She's really good at hearing. She's really good at um, getting to the sort of distilling the essence of so many issues. And I would love to see Katie Porter as uh, the next senator for representing California. Yeah, I agree. She's my my dad lives in her district and which it's Newport Beach, which is very, you know, it's it's country club Republicans, but she has yes. a way of getting through to them. And I think, yeah, I agree. I think Diana Feinstein, she, she had her time, but she's going all the way back to Harvey Milk. Like she was the centrist Democrat going against Harvey Milk and George Moscow. And I mean, I think yeah. her time had come through. She set her legacy, but yeah, I don't, it's kind of sad from what I've heard about how she's just kind of not the same person who she was even a few years ago. So Yeah, she's been um, in the Senate 30 years. She was, I guess, about 59 when she went in. She's 89 now. It's quite a run. It's nothing to be ashamed of, certainly. Oh, yeah, not at all. And she yeah. was mayor of San Francisco for 10 years. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective. I'm hoping Katie Porter gets the nomination. I think she's the perfect person to win in that state. So All right. Um, so we will track great. it closely. All right. Thanks, David. Johnny from Boston. Great to hear from you, as always. Let's go next to Dave from Mesquite, Texas. Dave from Mesquite, Texas. Dave from Mesquite, Texas, welcome to the program. If you unmute yourself, I will be able to hear you. Dave, please. And last chance for Dave from Mesquite, Texas. Hi, Mr. Pacman. Good to talk with you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Dave. Welcome. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, I live in a suburb of Dallas. Uh, Obviously, it's um, kind of a small town. There's a bunch of churches here, and uh, I kind of had a question about uh, churches and tax status. Sure. Tax tax exempt status. So these churches, uh, a lot of them are pretty lavish, and they're on really nice uh, pieces of property here. Yeah. I would think at some point the the city would be disincentivized to have these churches here because uh you know they're not well 
the local government's not getting the uh, the property tax. The state certainly isn't from these uh, churches being here. Yeah, I just don't really know what can be done, because if places start rejecting churches on the basis that they'd rather have someone there who will pay taxes, I think it becomes a constitutional issue pretty quickly. Certainly the churches will make it one. I think it's complicated. The math of it completely checks out, uh, but I just don't know that that's something that they could easily get away with. Yeah, not to mention, by the way, I mean, I think you also have to consider I don't know much about Mesquite, Texas, but my guess is there's a lot of religious people there, too. Right. It's not just that there's churches, there's Christians. Yeah, it's definitely the Bible Belt. There's a it's yeah, it's overwhelmingly Christian churches. So my point is you might not get revenue from the churches, but there's probably people that live there to be near the churches and they do pay taxes, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, well, great. Thanks for answering that call. Uh, another quick real question uh, that kind of is up not to do with politics or churches or tax, but yeah. uh, you and producer Pat have such great chemistry. You guys have to be buds outside of the sh- out, of, out of the show. Is that is that an accurate assessment? Absolutely. We actually ride a tandem bike regularly. And whenever Pat comes to visit in New York, we can be seen on the streets. We wear the same outfit and we have a tandem bike. I do ride in the front, I will admit, but uh, absolutely. Tandem bike, nut to butt. Love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dave. Very much appreciate it. Hey, by the way, right, is it Mesquite, I, I don't really understand these Dallas suburbs. Does, does Mesquite have its own downtown of sorts? Uh, there's an old historic part of Mesquite. It's an old railroad town, so... Uh, the mesquite trees were used to uh, fuel the locomotives back in the day. So it's like an old depot town that kind of got into cotton farming and kind of grew up from there. But where is, I'm looking at mesquite on a map, it's not like near the Chick-fil-A, is it? Like, where is the downtown? Uh, so the downtown is going to be uh, uh, Davis, between Davis and uh, Main Street, kind of between Galloway and Beltline. Gal- wow, I'm not, I don't find any of this. This is crazy. Uh, all right. Well, I'm yeah. going to look into it more closely. I want to learn all about Miss. I'm interested in these Texas suburbs. You know, they're just so different. Than the our, geography, our geography is amazing here. You'd, you'd love the, the vibe. All right. Well, I will have to get down there soon. Uh, thank you. for taking All right. Thanks, Dave. Dave. There's Dave from Mesquite, Texas, with some very, very powerful declarations. We are going to speak to more people, but after a very short break. So if you're holding on to talk to me, don't hang up. We're going right back to the discord lines in a moment. One of our sponsors is Curiosity Stream, the best place to find and watch documentaries on politics, history, science, technology, nature, you name it, they have it. Curiosity Stream has a deeper collection of documentaries than any other streaming service. They add new titles every week, including exclusive award winning films and shows you can't watch anywhere else. I just watched Ancient Engineering. Fascinating insights into how stuff was built before modern technology and the Industrial Revolution. You can watch Curiosity Stream on all of your devices, phone, desktop, game console, smart TV. I'm always finding great documentaries on Curiosity Stream that I can't find on any other platforms. It's really the only place to go for documentaries, and they have a great deal for my audience. You can get Curiosity Stream for an entire year for 15 bucks. That's a dollar twenty five a month. Go to curiositystream.com slash Pacman 
and use the code Pacman. That's curiosity s t r e a m dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman to get it for just a dollar twenty five a month. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's speak to a few more people today via Discord. We take calls at davidpackman.com slash Discord. If you would like to chat, just raise your hand. It's very simple. We're going to go to Ricardo from Montreal, Canada, of course, in the province of Quebec. Ricardo, welcome to the program. What is on your mind today as you get all of your various technical issues that I can tell you're having sorted out? Ricardo from Montreal, welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, hi, perfect. Hi, David. This is my first time ever calling on any show ever, like in, uh, every like uh, calling or using Discord. So I'm actually kind of nervous right now, and uh, and um, this is my first time ever doing a call on Discord. So well, let's make uh, it a good one, Ricardo. Please. Yes. So hi, David. So I know that um, I've actually been following your show since 2020. I've been listening to every single uh, episode on on your show since 2020. Wow. I'm actually a longtime listener. And um, I just want to ask you a question because I know, I know you've said time and time and time and time again that humans are really bad at um, predicting like future events. Yeah. But how likely uh, like do you think it's going to happen that America is going to become a right wing dictatorship. <laughs> I have I have no idea. You know, the thing about these questions, Ricardo, is remember during the State of the Union addresses when Trump was president and he would say America will never be a socialist country. Do you remember that? I think so. I think uh, I don't know. That was probably like in 2020 or 2021, I think. Yeah, uh, I guess. Tw- yeah, 2019 or in any case. And I would say Trump is right that. America is not about to be a socialist country. There's no risk of that. There's no socialist in position of power, et cetera. So one of the things Trump's doing is he's trying to overstate the risk of a socialist country. But never, never is a very long time. I think that's a very dumb prediction to make. 500 years, 100, 1,000, who who knows, you know? So will America be a right wing dictatorship? I have absolutely no idea. It depends on the decisions that are made. And me giving you an answer, a definitive answer would be nothing better than just a wild guess. Could America become a right wing dictatorship? Absolutely. Is it closer now than it was, I don't know, 15 years ago? I think the answer is yes. But I, I beyond that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, that's a total um uh, valid answer. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm just like asking this question because it's it's really just from a perspective of a concerned Canadian because yeah. we're watching we're watching here from up up here and uh, we we realize what's what's happening um, every single day and uh, it really just concerns the heck out of us. That, yeah, uh, I, 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 I would be concerned, because- too. I mean, listen, you can be a little less concerned than if you're in the United States. So at least you have that. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But uh, I just really wish uh, all the best for you guys. And I just hope that uh, you guys are able to like sort out everything that's <laughs> going on there. Um, like, I just really wish the best because that that just really, really seems uh, very concerning. And hope things I appreciate can sort it. of go normal. Uh, I don't know how long it will take, maybe like 10 years, 20 years, but we'll see. Yeah. Because I know that um, 75 million people voted for Trump in 2020. Right. Uh, and um, and there's still like millions and millions of people that still follow Donald Trump and her are his still his ardent supporters that will defend him no matter what. Very much so. So, Very um, much so. but and and look at the I, I guess with the 2022 midterms, that was kind of um, 
a good sign because it just showed a bit like the the waning power of the Trump MAGA movement. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in like 2024, especially with the, all the troubles that Trump is facing right now. I hope so. I hope so. Ricardo, listen, uh, St. Viator or Fairmont Bagel, which do you prefer in Montreal? St. Viator. You think it's better? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And have you ever been to Tommy for brunch? Oh, boy. Uh, Montreal has millions and millions of restaurants, so um, I don't I don't think I have. Okay. Uh, I don't know about millions of restaurants, but I recommend it. Check it out. Uh, it's a good spot. All right. I'm get the eggs. Benedict. Thank I mean, you. I'm exaggerating, I, but I know there's there's quite a few, but I heard that this interesting statistic that uh, apparently if you were to visit every single restaurant, uh, I think three times a day for the next 18 years, you, you, it, would t- it would take that amount of time to visit every single mon- restaurant in Montreal. There's just I believe so many. it. I believe it. Ricardo, <laughs> I will be back in Montreal soon and I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be happy, happy to have you back. All right. Ricardo from Montreal. Great to hear from you. Very, very much appreciate it. Why don't we speak next? You know, it's always fraught to know where we go next when it comes to phone calls. But I believe we're going to go to Ollie from Scotland. Uh, Ollie, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me, David. Pleasure. Um, it's great to be on. Um, I actually had a couple of questions, but I'll keep it to one just in the interest of time. Um, so the growing debates around, you know, transgender youth, transgender, uh, you know, adolescents is all over social media right now um, and even in mainstream American discourse. And I wonder what, where do you think it's going? Um, you know, at the very top level, obviously, every Trump rally, he says the infamous line, and uh, then no one should be allowed to teach transgender yeah. to our children, which and it's like, what does that even mean? I know exactly. Like <laughs> from a gr- grammatical point of view and then, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like most of the stuff he says, but where do you think is going? You know, and here's my hope. Okay. I'm going to give you, here's my hope of where the anti-trans stuff among the right is going. My hope is that this is a temporary stop on the discrimination and marginalization train. There was a time when the right was obsessed with gay men. They they never really were that worked up about lesbians, you might remember. But like when I started doing the show, they were obsessed with gay men. And now they've yeah. mostly moved on from gay men. Now trans is the issue. And specifically, it's what they call, quote, men in women's sports is a heavy part of it. Also, the things they claim are being done with regularity when it comes to children, which are not actually being done right now. That's their focus. And it's really tough for the people that are being targeted and marginalized by that. My hope is that eventually they will tire of the subject and move on to something else. The problem is who's the next target, right? I feel bad for whoever the next target is going to be. But there, it's just it's been a shift. They've gone from obsession with going after gay men. Now it's the trans stuff. There will be a next thing. I don't know what it will be and when, but I, I hope they move on soon. Although I also want to protect whoever the next targets are going to be. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I wonder if there's a religious um, you know, component to this um, in terms of, you know, protect the children, save the children. Mm. The left, as they say, the left are attacking our children. They want to sexualize children, which, as we know, you know, it's not happening. You know, they can pick a, a couple of people on TikTok or right. a couple of, you know, extreme people in a couple of schools. 
in the whole of America, and they say this is what the left is doing. That's what they're doing. But you know, it's part of it is. I want to add one item to this, Ollie. Part of it is they a lot of the anti-trans stuff when it comes to kids ties in to their conspiracy theories about pedophile Democrats and child sex trafficking and that type of thing. So it's sort of sick. Each has signal boosted the other in a really convenient way for for these right wingers. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. I just I wonder where that aspect's going. You know, it's obviously not the biggest issue. Yep. And it's not the biggest issue for me personally either. Right. But, you know, it's just something I'm interested in. Hey, Ollie, I have a question for you. The other day, someone told me that when they were in Scotland, they ate something called neeps and tatties. Do you have any idea what that is? <laughs> yeah, so that is a Scottish dish, which I don't even like. I mean, if any Scottish person's listening, they don't want to kill me for that. But it's basically <laughs> potatoes and haggis mixed into one, uh, which huh. sounds, you know, it tastes just as appealing as it sounds. It's really not great. What, when you say, is it like you mash up the potatoes and mix in the haggis? I don't even get what you do. I mean, to be honest, I've not had it in such a long time. Oh, it's okay. mainly, you know, more of an old fashioned thing. Got it. But um, yeah, I mean, some people would literally get their fork and mash it into this one substance and say that they enjoy it. So, wow. yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, David. All right. Well, listen, if I go to Scotland, I will look for other forms of cuisine. Definitely. All right. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All Speak right. soon. There goes Ollie from Scotland, a very, very powerful message. Let's go next to Kevin from Arlington, Virginia, and see what's happening in Arlington. Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I've got a question about last week's speaker vote. Please. So, you know, with hindsight, now we know how it ended. 15 ballots. Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. Hypothetically speaking, the Democrats could have cut that off much earlier. They don't even have to vote for Kevin McCarthy. They could just vote present yes. and not show up. So my question is, do you think Democrats ultimately benefited from holding the line for Hakeem Jeffries and drawing out the process? Or was it really just a big waste of time? No. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, yes, Democrats could have handed McCarthy the win earlier by voting present. They lower the necessary threshold in order to get the speakership. But it's I think that it's just completely the wrong framing. This is a Republican problem. It is a Republican problem that they weren't able to figure out until 15 votes went by how to get a speaker elected. Democrats have no responsibility to bail out Republicans. Republicans are not united and Democrats are. Republicans are not interested in actually governing, whereas Democrats are. Republicans have shown in the short time since Kevin McCarthy became speaker, they're not interested in even dealing with issues that that help the American people. I know that mathematically Democrats could have acted to make McCarthy the speaker more quickly, but I believe it was it it, waste. It's not the, the waste of time isn't even the right framing. Democrats aren't in control. Democrats wanted Hakeem Jeffries to be the speaker. And there's no reason for Democrats to become uh, uh, divorced from what they actually are, which is united behind Jeffries to artificially help Kevin McCarthy. I, I think it would have been the wrong move for Democrats to do that on principle. OK, makes sense. Thanks. All right, Kevin, thank you. There's Kevin from Arlington, Virginia. Uh, yeah, no, it's the it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, not. Please, we're not going to blame the Democrats on that one. 
Let's go next to Michael from Scranton. Michael from Scranton, welcome to the program. Hi, um, I was wondering, uh, I just forgot my question. Sorry for swearing and bye. All right. Goodbye. There's Michael from Scranton with a very, very strong appearance on the David Packman show, which we love to see. Let's go to Magnus from Sweden, <laughs> from Sweden, Magnus from Sweden. I don't know that you could have a more perfect call than the last one, but let's try Magnus. Hello, David, sir. Greetings from Sweden. Can you Greetings. hear me? I can hear you fine. Great. Excellent. Yeah, I'll try my best. Uh, yes, one question. If Minority Green would be Donald Trump's uh, VP candidate for the 2024 election, do you think this could benefit the Democrats even further to it out and vote even more? Sorry, if what was the first thing? If what? If if Minority Taylor Green would be Donald Trump's VP candidate. Oh, for Marjorie. The oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Would it benefit my... Democrats? I, you know, exactly. my opinion might be different in 2024. Right now, I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene as Trump's running mate would further make obvious that the entire MAGA movement is overtly a joke. Like it's always been a joke, but Mm. it's now overtly a joke. Trump doesn't leave his house. He gives weird interviews and records these strange videos and whatever. Now, what could change my opinion is that Marjorie Taylor Greene is now distancing herself from the crazy MAGAs and mm. trying to align with the slightly less crazy magas. She's denouncing Lauren Boebert and she wants to be alongside Kevin McCarthy. So if Marjorie Taylor Greene successfully aligns herself with the slightly less crazy part of the Republican Party, maybe her being Trump's VP would be helpful to him. But if it were today, I think Green hurts Trump uh, as a running mate. Yeah, I just think it would be a rather terrifying thought if Minority Green would be vice president and even worse president of the United States if anything would happen to Trump. If Trump is president at age 78 and Marjorie Taylor Greene is the VP, that's a very scary situation. I agree with you. Oh, also, as a curiosity, I know you've been to Denmark many times, but have you ever been to Sweden? I've been to Denmark only once. I have never been to Sweden. I was destined to go to Sweden at the start of the pandemic. And then we all know what happened. And now uh, it is very, very high on my list. I would love to get to Sweden. I think I'd prefer to go in late spring or something like that, maybe early summer. Uh, But I I would absolutely love to go. You're welcome to visit us anytime. Do you guys have that? uh, What what's what are the dishes that Sweden is most known for? Ah, uh, it would probably be the traditional Swedish meatballs and mashed potatoes and uh, the lingo jam, of course. Right. And is it better in Sweden than at Ikea? <laughs> well, I think it would be rather authentic. The <laughs> okay, Ikeas good. are perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've tasted them in, in other countries and yeah, they are just about like the Swedish ones. So okay, they are very good. perfectly well, fine. I sure. look forward to trying that. No, I, I will absolutely announce when I will be entering Sweden. Awesome. All right, Magnus, thank you for the call. Cheers. All right. There is a very, very strong, strong phone call. Let's go to Scipio from California, a very devoted website member at davidpackman.com. Scipio, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Sir David, sir, protector of the realm, sir. Do I sound okay? You sound great. Okay, awesome. Uh, So I have a politics and a food question for you. Okay. Um, So we all know the... McCarthy debacle that kind of just ended. Um, 
with the speaker. How do you think that's going to affect the Republican Party, specifically going into 2024, uh, into the general election? It's too early to say. The question is, can Republicans credibly make the case that they are now united and stand for something over the two years that they are going to govern? Or does this rupture or fracture get worse and worse and devolve into more partisan infighting? It's we just Mm -hmm. we have to wait and see. I don't think we know yet. Okay. Um, very good. Then the food question I have for you is I'm Mexican American, so there's a lot of Mexican cuisine that I like, but I know you're from Argentina, right? Is there any Argentinian? I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Uh, is there any dishes from Argentina that, uh, I should try or that you recommend? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's just so many. I mean, Argentinian style empanadas would be very, very high on the list. We're talking about oven baked, not deep fried. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not going to throw those things in a deep fryer and just fry them into submission. We're going to bake them. (laughs) Um, The the thing about a lot of Argentinian food is that it really it's from somewhere else. Like one of my favorite dishes is Milanesa. But the, the, the term Milan, Italy, is literally in the name. It's really an Italian dish. You know, the, the, the thing about Argentinian dishes, there's Argentinian style pizza, which is its own thing. But pizza is not strictly speaking Argentinian. You know, um, yeah. th- there are so many things to try, but the oranges of many of them are really in other countries. Oh, OK, well, yeah. uh, <laughs> I like how you said oranges. Uh, Great. Well, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Scipio from California. Always great to speak to you, folks. That's all I've got. I know there's 50 people who are furious. I know it. I know it. But I can't get to everybody every time. We will take calls again, and I hope to speak to you soon. It's a new year. Many of us are trying to make new positive changes. Here's something really simple that could be a game changer. Our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Every day I take a scoop of AG1. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients to last me all day long. This way, I just know my nutritional bases are covered for the entire day. It has everything I want. And that's important to me. Rather than doing the individual supplements and vitamins or whatever, I don't want to do any of that. Okay. AG1 is the simplest way to just get everything I want for my nutritional foundation each day. AG1 is also a great bang for your buck. You're going to end up spending way more on all those bottles of vitamins and supplements and minerals. So save some money, make your life easier. Just a scoop of AG1. I love the travel packs, which let me take AG1 wherever I go. I have the big pack of AG1 at home. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman, you'll get five free travel packs plus a free year supply of vitamin D, which I use during the winter. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's get into the listener and viewer mailbag. If you have something to say, it's info at davidpackman.com. Sometimes we will highlight a YouTube comment or a tweet or what else? Yeah, could be anything, but it's mostly emails sent to info at davidpackman.com. We're going to start today with Norma Jean. Norma Jean is upset. I find these emails a little funny. Norma Jean wrote in and said uh, about Michael Cohen with a sad face. Hi, David. 
I discovered your show on TikTok and have been listening to your podcast ever since. Thank you for being a voice of reason in a crazy time. Look forward to, and look forward to subscribing. One question. I was surprised that you would have agreed to be on Michael Cohen's podcast. Can you clarify and talk a little about why you chose to be on his podcast, given his sketchy past to include tax and bank fraud, in addition to being disbarred by the New York Supreme Court? Yikes. How does he have any credibility left? Thank you. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, um, uh, I (laughs) appearing on a show is not an endorsement of everything that person has done. And if you go down this path, sort of like, where do you draw the line? I mean, I'm sure everybody who's interviewed me has lied. Some of them have also cheated on their significant others. That arguably could be a reason for me to refuse to appear on some other shows. I mean, this isn't how I think about things, you know, Um, you get invited to lots of shows. And the question is, is it worthwhile speaking to the audience of that show? And the answer with Michael Cohen's show was yes. So I appeared on the show. It's it's really just that. It doesn't mean that I think it was okay when Michael Cohen committed bank fraud or when some other interviewer, you know, cheated on their spouse, as many of the people that have interviewed me have it's not I'm not endorsing anything in particular. I'm just doing the show. So I, I would just say don't think too much about that. Um yeah, maybe I'll just leave it there. Andrew wrote in and said, also be fun to see you respond to this on one of your videos. Don't you will as it is one of your fake emails at the beginning. I felt your channel had potential, but you went extreme left and you now becoming a failure. No wonder you need to endorse businesses that are scam for money. You are desperate. You know, it's really funny. This is a really common. So I've talked about unsubscribe trolls, right, which are now I'm unsubscribing and it's like you were never subscribed. Uh, This one is I used to have positive feelings about your show, but because of the things you did, I no longer do. I went back and checked out the email. The reason we keep all emails that are sent in sometimes because law enforcement needs them. I know that that's really sad, but unfortunately, in this era, when you've been doing this as long as we've been doing it and your audience is a certain size, it starts to become likely that some of your viewers are going to be entangled with law enforcement. And uh, we keep all records in case um, we may at some point need to turn them over to law enforcement. But also just to see, for example, Andrew has been writing in literally for years and every email has been riddled with insults and pejoratives and uh, all sorts of stuff. He never thought the channel had potential. He's been insulting me since day one. And uh, the other funny thing is now you're becoming a failure. The show is bigger today than it has ever been before. Might have been better earlier to say your show will never be bigger or something like that. But okay, that's Andrew. Very, very important message. Um, Trolley wrote in and said Trump claims he can't be anti-Semitic because he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. So many Christians also seem to claim to love Israel, but they hate Jews. Many fundamentalist Christians believe it is their duty to bring about Armageddon as a step to bring about the rapture. Do you think the president actually did it to placate these people as Jerusalem becoming the capital is a step in that goal? Excellent question. I've explained so many times 
American Jews are very liberal, one of the most left wing voting blocks in the United States. And yet you often hear. But what about Republicans as the supporters of Israel? Republicans support Israel in a very narrow way that is connected to the evangelical beliefs about, as this email is pointing out, the rapture, Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. They don't like or or like isn't even the right word. They aren't about the Jewish people as a people, as a culture, as a community. They believe their teachings in which Jews and Israel have a particular role to play in Jesus coming back and rapture and Armageddon and all of this other crazy stuff. And yes, the Jerusalem thing is part of that. I don't know that Trump had any idea about that. Trump's view most likely was the people on my side who talk to me about Israel want the embassy in Jerusalem. So that's good. And that's probably as far as Trump really is aware, but a very good question and very accurately uh, pointed out there. Michael wrote in about oversimplification of political issues, and this is also a good topic Says David started watching a few months ago, really like the show. Have you ever noticed how many right wing positions are based on gross oversimplification of the issues? Climate change. It still snows. Therefore, global warming is a hoax. Gender. Just look between your legs. Poverty. Just work harder. Immigration. Just come in legally. Mental illness. Just snap out of it. Systemic oppression. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Abortion. It's always murder. STDs. Just don't have sex. COVID vaccine. You still get COVID, so it's useless. Homelessness. Go to a shelter. Drug addiction. Just stop using. And it makes sense. You have to be that out of touch with how things work for everyday people to be a right winger. Yeah, this is this is a big academic topic. And Michael, Michael may have stumbled upon this on his own, but people like George Lakoff and others have talked about how the framing that the right uses for so many issues is linguistically advantageous and it contributes to the simplicity. We need tax relief. Taxes are a burden. Lower taxes, people are relieved. That's good. Right. But you can't lower them to zero. Then society ceases to function. Abortion. Well, I'm pro-life. Everybody else must be against life. Life is good. So being this is actually a really big topic in the American political divide. And Michael is completely right that the only way that you would believe this stuff is if you really are out of touch or lack information or, you know, we've talked about the different categories, but this is a this is a feature of Republican politics, not a bug, because it makes it so that completely untenable political positions seem almost viable to some people by virtue of their fabricated simplicity. Um, Michael wrote in about conservative checkmate and says you should benefit from how you are registered to vote. If you register as a conservative, I, I guess Michael means a Republican. You get to keep your total wage and pay no taxes, but in return, you get no services, no police, no fire, no health care. You would have to pay out of pocket for those services. If you register as a Democrat, you pay 30 to 40 percent in taxes, but you get health care, Social Security, fire, police, etc. Would conservatives be OK with this idea? Now, I know that this I think anyway that this is a thought experiment from Michael and it's one we've explored before. Um, in practice, I don't know what the average right winger, winger would say. Listen, you get to keep all your money, but 
You've got to pay for every road that you use. I mean, it sort of starts to become kind of like one of these libertarian utopias, which don't work at all. Um, I don't know what they would say, but obviously we all know that this type of thinking is completely impossible for any functioning society. But it'd be a curious one to uh, to ask them about for sure. Antony wrote in from Spain and says, I'm a longtime fan from Spain. Sorry for my English. It's my fourth language. A little subtle brag there. I wanted to ask you if you've ever considered doing some Spanish language videos. I want to recommend you to some of my acquaintances who do not believe me when I tell them about how bad U.S. politics are. I also hear there's loads of disinformation in Spanish, both here and in the U.S., and I don't know of any Spanish speaking equivalent to your show. I know it would probably have lower ROI, but you are one of the few that could reach that public without sounding condescending since you're a native Spanish speaker. So we've been looking to do this for a while. I just don't have any time in my day to produce content in Spanish in addition to what I'm doing. But we are about to launch a dubbed version of our clips to Spanish. So you'll see me. The voice will be dubbed into Spanish. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. I just don't have any, any more time, guys. Uh, it, you know, we've got the live streams and we've got the podcast and the YouTube channel and the finance channel. And, you know, my my daughter is needing diaper changes. I thought I only needed like three diapers for the entire first year. It turns out you need way more than three diapers for that. It's crazy. I just can't I can't do more content in Spanish. So we're going to be doing a dubbing thing. I think it could do quite well. And I'll tell you more about it when it uh, when it launches. Landon wrote in about Trump and says past presidents have airports named after them. Perhaps a prison can be named after Trump, of course, preferably with him locked inside. Nice one, Landon. I'm, I'm, that's a presented without comment. I won't even comment on that. And then Dwayne wrote in about voter fraud and says, David, I'm curious as to how many cases of voter fraud that have been prosecuted from 2020 to the end of 22 have been Republicans compared to Democrats. I keep seeing a case. It seems like every other week and it is not a Democrat. It's as if any claim a Republican makes of a crime is basically an admission of a crime they have done. I may not be a smart man, but I know I'm seeing a pattern here. Thank you, Dwayne. Yeah. So, you know, part of this is does some voter fraud go uh, under the radar? But of the prosecuted cases in the U.S., and there are very few, it is overwhelmingly Republicans. And it's often Republicans trying to prove a point and then the prove they point the point they prove is the opposite. They want to prove how easy it is to get away with it. Then they get caught. Um, sometimes some Republicans were caught genuinely voting twice, like for their some in some cases, a dead relative. We, we've seen these things anecdotally. Big picture, there's very little voter fraud happening at the micro level. For those who get prosecuted, it is mostly Republicans. Dwayne is absolutely correct. Send in your thoughts, comments, questions to info at davidpackman.com. Sign up at joinpackman.com to get all of our great member benefits, including instant access to the bonus show, which you could go watch or listen to right now if you were already a member.